0: Welcome to the Zen Habits podcast, where we dive into how to work with uncertainty, resistance, and fear around our meaningful work. This is for anyone who wants to create an impact in the world and cares deeply enough to do the work. I'm your host, Leo Babauta, creator of the Zen Habits blog. So my guest today, her name is Jocelyn Glay. She is someone I met when she was working with 99U, um, which was a website about productivity and creativity. And she also created the 99U conference. So this was back in from 2009 to 2015. And during that time, she wrote a book about email called Unsubscribe and started a best-selling 99U book series on productivity and making your work work. So she was this kind of accidental productivity expert and working at a startup and doing some really amazing things. Then she started to burn out from her own overachieving tendencies. And this led to a huge shift for herself. She started a podcast called Hurry Slowly, exploring personal and collective transformation. Uh, She started online courses and communities called Reset, High Five, Radiate, Tender Discipline. And she has a great newsletter that's free that I would highly recommend subscribing to because she's got some great stuff in there, including some great links. I really want to acknowledge the thing about Jocelyn that I love, which is that she has rejected a really mainstream thing about society, which is to really be incredibly productive, moving fast, Just churning out stuff. And what she's come to is a deeper, slower place that is more transformative, more inquisitive, more heartfelt. And I really love that about her. So please enjoy this conversation that I had with her. All right. Well, welcome, Jocelyn. Thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here and to uh, be in your presence in the, the almost 3D world. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, you and I have kind of like virtually known each other for a while, but this is the first time we're actually talking to each other. So it's, it's cool to like finally, um, uh, make a deeper connection with you.
1: Yeah, totally. I love this phenomenon of having these sort of internet friends who you finally get to <laughs> witness in person after a very long time.
0: Uh, you know, I, one thing that's really interesting for me is that I've been, so I've been witnessing, uh, your work and admiring you from afar. Um, and you've made a big shift in, in that. And I'd love to just touch on that real quick. Um, cause when I first knew you, you were like an editor and a writer and like, um, kind of in the productivity, uh, space. Mm-hmm. Is that right?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. And uh, what was your role back then? I'm, I'm trying to remember. It was with, um, I feel like it was with Behance. Is that right?
1: It was. Yeah. Do you want me to just kind of do the whole, do the whole sure. arc?
0: <laughs> yeah. Tell, just a little bit. The brief version.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, how many years ago is this now? It's 2023. So let's say, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago, something like that. Um, I was working at Behance, which for people who don't know it is sort of like a LinkedIn for the creative world. Uh, where Mm -hmm. people host their creative portfolios. And I was running this um, almost like kind of startup within that startup that was called 99U. And it was a website and a book series that I created and an annual conference that we would do every year at Lincoln Center in New York City. And it was all about how creative people make their ideas happen. So kind of getting into that like nitty gritty of how people um, really, you know, Build creative careers and push their ideas forward and invent amazing things. And as part of that, um, a lot of, you know, and so I was, you know, editing, conducting and editing interviews and publishing articles and, you know, curating speakers on stage to talk about these types of topics. And in the process, while I was there, and I think I was there from about 2009 to 2015, so let's say about six years. I ended up getting really deep into, um, you know, studying kind of productivity and creativity and doing a lot of writing about that and doing a lot of interviewing about that and, you know, reading tons of research around it. And that was really new for me at the time. Like I wasn't before I moved into that role, I wasn't in that sort of sphere. And so it was kind Mm -hmm. of a whole new type of writing and a whole new way of presenting things and, you know, kind of getting into that how-to mindset. And, um, and so that kind of opened up this whole world for me. And I myself at, at the time was kind of in parallel, someone who was working on writing projects on the side and very invested myself as a creative and kind of understanding better, like how I could kind of push my creative ideas forward. And so I just really got like immersed in this world of productivity and of creativity and learning a lot about that and writing in that style and editing in that style and at a certain point what I kind of realized wait I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself but so eventually I (laughs) I transitioned out of that role and I went out on my own and first I launched a blog and then I launched a newsletter and then I launched um, my podcast that I've been doing since 2017 now which is called hurry slowly Um, And then from there, I started moving into doing some online courses, of which I've done many at this point. And when I started the podcast, when I started Hurry Slowly, I was already kind of sitting with, you know, all of this kind of all of these ideas and this energy from that productivity world and kind Mm -hmm. of looking at all of the sort of problems that I had seen, especially with creative people, that it that kind of mindset created for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really this kind of – was really looking at initially when I started the podcast, this kind of over-busy, over-stimulated, overwhelmed way in which everyone was working. And it was kind of pushing back on that and saying, let's explore, you know, what's a more sustainable, healthier way in which we can be working, one that's much more supportive of creativity. And so that was kind of where the podcast started. Yeah. But that was still – kind of plugged in to this productivity mm. ethos, right? It was sort of like, well, you can still be productive, but like, let's do it in a kind of slower, more sustainable sort of way.
0: So it's the same kind of view just with a, with a shift.
1: Yeah, it was sort of, you know, I mean, I was looking at sustainability. I was looking at doing it in a healthful way, but I was still sort mm-hmm. of immersed in that idea a bit. And over the years, as I kind of continued doing the podcast, what I realized was that, you know, what we really needed was to be healed from this obsession with productivity itself. Um, And so the podcast started to kind of move even more away from that. Um, And now it's more in a space where I'm kind of reflecting on culture and consciousness and healing um, and really kind of shining a light on some of the, you know, kind of toxic, extractive, pieces of that you know productivity ethos that really gets kind of buried within us yeah so that's kind of that's kind of the arc and it's it's funny i kind of think of it almost as like this like underworld journey you know where i had to like (laughs) totally immerse into like the space of productivity and kind of developing some expertise there in order to kind of be like oh like this is the thing that we need to heal you know this obsession with productivity
0: That's, that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that, that journey. And there's just so much of it that I, I relate to when I started my blog, even though it was called Zen Habits, it was, um, very much like, you know, getting things done and productivity and efficiency. And it was like, I kind of needed to get as good at that as possible before I like, I finally saw how bankrupt it was. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I can, I can relate. And, um, And I've been really inspired by what you've been exploring, you know, since you started Hurry Slowly, which is an incredible name for a podcast, by the way. Mm,
1: Thank
0: Uh, you. And like, and just how, um, how thoughtful, um, how much deeper um, your considerations are. And then, like, I'm really struck by how much more humanity is in your writing than maybe before, but definitely compared to like people who are uh, still writing in the productivity space. It's mm. really, really beautiful.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: So uh, the thing that I wanted to um, bring some curiosity towards in this conversation is something you talked about in your most recent newsletter, um, or at least as we're talking, I think it was the most recent newsletter you put out. It was called The Illusion of Efficiency. And there was a line in there that you put in bold, which was very helpful. So Thank you for <laughs> highlighting the most important <laughs> line. <laughs> um, once I started focusing on receptivity rather than productivity, everything got a lot easier. And I loved, loved, loved that. And I'm like, we are talking about that in the podcast. Mm. <laughs> um, and you gave an example before that um, of, um, of how that looked in your life as you sat down. Could you walk us through that? Uh, because I, I thought it was such a beautiful... I could remind you of it if you haven't, rem- if it was a while ago since you wrote it, but
1: yeah, uh, no, it was such I a beautiful example. I remember. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was working actually on this new course that I'm creating. And, you know, as most of us do when we work or when we do knowledge work, at least I was, you know, sitting at my desk, I had like a notebook in front of me and I have my computer in front of me. And, you know, I had this, I got this just sort of I was thinking about how i was going to structure the course and i got this little feeling of like, mm, like there's a more you know interesting new innovative way that i can structure this like what what is it and as i was sitting there i kind of paused and i was like okay like i can feel something that wants to come in you know i can mm-hmm. kind of feel this idea that wants to come into me what's the best way that i can kind of Open up and let it in, you know. And mm. for me, I find that that way to open up is almost never sitting at my desk, you know, hunched over a computer, <laughs> um, actively trying to make you know the idea come. That that idea that we were talking about before of this kind of extractive modality.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I kind of just got up from my desk and I walked across to another room and. Um, you know, I just sat down in, you know, meditation and just took some deep breaths to kind of relax my body and then just sat there quietly. And, you know, as soon as my system kind of calmed down, it was just like, boom, okay, it came in, you know, and I had this, I just kind of received like, was like, oh, you can do it like this, you know, and you can structure Mm. it this way. And it was quite different, um, in certain ways from, what I had expected, you know, this was i a right. course, I think I've done four courses now. This is the fifth course I've done. So, um, as happens when we have things that we do again and again and again, and we start to develop certain expectations and we start to develop certain structures and, you know, we feel kind of comfortable within them. And so we want to continue to work in them. And this allowed me to kind of be like, Oh, this is, this is kind of a new thing that you could do. Um, right. and yeah. And then I just kind of got that information and, you know, I was sitting there, I was not long, you know, less than 10 minutes, maybe six minutes, maybe seven minutes. Um, you know, had I stayed there at my desk and kind of tried to like, you know, kind of force it or sort of squeeze it out, I don't, you know, I don't know how long it would have taken. I don't know what if, if it would have come at all. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's kind of, that idea is really at the core of this, of this new course that I'm putting together. Is that shift from that 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 grasping pushing, forcing extractive energy into something that is more uh, you know open and relaxed and receptive um, and I think that's that's so powerful and what's inter- and what's interesting um, and I almost don't even like to say this, but you know is that it's actually It's more efficient and it's more productive (laughs) to get out of, you know, we think that efficiency and productivity relies on this kind of forceful, you know, disciplined approach of really making ourselves do something. But when you get into that receptive state and particularly, you know, when we talk about, right, like creativity and creative inspiration, I mean, of course, you know, there's certain things where you just you have to put in the effort, you have to put in the hours, you have to show up. But especially when you're trying to, you know, invite in some of that inspiration, it's actually just much more efficient if you can relax into that receptive state, Um than, yeah. you know, than to be, be trying to force it.
0: It goes so counter to our training, or at least how most <laughs> of us have been trained. And oh, we yeah. have to push, we have to work hard, we have to like, make it happen as if we have some kind of control. Um. And what you just shared in that example of just sitting and receiving is so, so beautiful. But I do, I do agree. Like that's actually, in my experience, a lot of times more efficient, takes less work and less time, um, but it requires like a degree of trust and surrender that most of us um, maybe don't have the discipline to practice.
1: A hundred percent. And yeah, I think that word self-trust is really... Powerful. And I remember, I, I can't remember where I read it, but many years ago, I remember reading in some book um, where someone was saying that the original sort of definition or the root of the word discipline is around this idea of being like a disciple, you know, like a disciple mm. unto oneself. Mm. And so I love that idea because so much of that impulse to, you know, kind of. Push and put your nose to the grindstone and work really hard is about kind of aligning with this, you know, sort of external system, right? The way that we think like things should be done or the way that we see other people do things. It doesn't really have anything to do with kind of like tuning into our own idiosyncratic needs or pace or modalities. And I love that idea of being a disciple unto yourself because it kind of gets at that idea, which is something that I really try to emphasize in all of all of the different ways that I teach, all the different courses that I teach, this idea that you want to work in a way that is really aligning with your own idiosyncratic preferences and approaches and tools and kind of, you know, modes of working. Like that's mm. going to be the thing that's going to work the best for you, not trying to read someone else's bulleted how-to list for how to do your daily routine and then adapt to that.
0: Yeah, uh, I love that so much. I, I hadn't heard that uh, idea of being a disciple unto yourself. Um, mm. I really love that. One thing that I, you've worked with a lot of creatives over the years and you, you know, you've, you immersed yourself in the creative space. And one thing that I really loved about the example you just gave, uh, the receptivity that you talked about is it's, you know, that answer, you could feel it wanting to, to emerge. And, you know, like you could also see that pushing wasn't going to make it happen. And so you just had to like receive and relax and then it would come. There is something interesting about that, that I've, I've noticed in myself, which is that we don't know where our most creative ideas come from. Our inspiration, all of the, like the things that we're discovering... Like, you know, some people think maybe it comes from God or the universe or our deepest consciousness, but the truth is we just don't know where it comes from. And if you've ever done any kind of creative work, like you could see that it just comes and you couldn't tell where it came from. Like we try and like force it. Like it has, like, there's a way that we could will it into existence, but that's not how at least that's not how I've found it to work, and I really love that you that you um, are working with it in that way.
1: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And the you know the name of this this course that I'm working on right now is called Channel, which is all about kind of mm. um, opening to a receptive state in a way that really supports creative insight and flow. And I I love that metaphor. That metaphor of the channel, you know, Mm. as you said, I think that whatever it is, those ideas, those inspirations, they are coming from something greater, you know, however you want to identify with what that thing is, you know, it could be God, it could be spirit, it could be mother nature, um, Mm -hmm. you know, could be quantum physics. I think just the metaphor that it's something that's flowing in and that it's something that's flowing through you. And that's the metaphor that is the most um, constructive, I think. And part of the way that I started to really open to that, and I don't want to go off on a tangent. Are you willing to hear this part? I,
0: absolutely. <laughs> go off on <in> tangents.
1: <laughs> so I also um, practice um, energy work, kind of a Reiki adjacent sort of work. And when I was originally training with Reiki, I. You know the idea of of Reiki as a sort of energy healing practice is that you are a channel for this you know sort of universal life force energy, Um, and so when you are doing healing work, you're you're just acting as a channel for this force. Mm. And I initially took the training; I wasn't really expecting to practice Reiki on anyone but myself, Um, but it turned out I had I was kind of surprised to learn I had a bit of a facility for it. Mm. And when I was practicing, I just, the state that I was in, I just loved so much. Like it was just such, it, it was that like open, receptive state and, you know, things would just come through me and it felt so creative and it felt so improvisational and it felt so present and it felt so natural. And as I was experiencing that, I just thought to myself, wow, like I want all my work to feel like this, Hmm. you know, I don't, I don't want to be in that kind of like hunched, compressed, forcing state, you know? And so the journey over the past many years, since I first connected to that energy practice has really been to invite that receptivity and that idea of channeling into everything Um, that I do. And it's really changed the way that I approach, you know, my writing process, the way that I approach ideation, you know, the way that I approach really everything that shows up in my work. And all of it is about shifting more into that sort of receptive state.
0: That is fascinating. I'm really glad you went down that tangent. (laughs) Thanks for trusting yourself. I I have so many questions, Uh, uh, but I, I just really love um, the idea of being in that more relaxed, receptive state more often, um, and I think there may be people who are listening who've had some experience of that. Maybe they went to a vipassana, you know, a retreat, or um, have have sat in some kind of receptive or more relaxed state. But the idea of bringing that to you know what we might think of as work or places where we are normally in that kind of pushing kind of place, which mm-hmm. is for a lot of people, a lot of us, like all the time, um, like the idea, it, it's so, it's so beautiful. And, and what I'm hearing, and I'd love to hear uh, what your experience has been, is that um, not only is it more, you know, quote unquote, efficient and uh, <laughs> allows you to discover these ideas that are wanting to come out, but also it it feels uh, more sustainable, feels more like a much... Much different, like just a different way to experience life, something that a lot of us want to have in our lives.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I just think a lot more, (laughs) a lot more enjoyment and fun and um, flexibility in the process, right? When you can kind of get into that state. And as I was listening to you, you know, something that was just um, coming up for me is kind of just pulling the thread on how this is unfolded for me and how I kind of think about that within my creative process is a really long time ago. I did an interview with a writer named Alex Pang on, on my podcast on hurry slowly. Mm. And I remember we were talking about, um, rest, you know, sort of a general Mm. topic and, he was saying that, you know, we often think what is restful is, you know, to be lying on a beach or to be lying by the pool or to be taking a nap. But he said, what's actually restful is to, like, do something different. You know, so if you kind of think about the sort of mode in which we Work most of our day, you know, especially as knowledge workers, you know, might be like sitting in the same position, you know, in front of the computer and kind of using your brain in this one very task oriented way, you know, for Mm -hmm. six hours, eight hours, 10 hours at a stretch. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what he was sort of articulating was that what's actually restorative, what's actually relaxing, what's actually restful is to do something different, right? Because it's almost mm. like cross-training, you could say, right? right? And so it's like, if you're sitting, you know, at your computer and your desk in this one way, it's kind of like, you you know, you're just like bench pressing for 10 hours, <laughs> you know, as opposed to like throwing in some crunches or maybe like jogging around the block or... And yeah. so when I get stuck now, I, I just think, I'll oh, just like do something different. You know, what whatever it is, you know, so it could be, as in the last example, like sitting in meditation. The other day, I was working on some marketing copy for this new website. And I just, you know, was kind of getting a little wrapped around my own axle, you know, just sort of like processing and reprocessing what I was trying to write. And I a friend of mine had said, Oh, I'm like thinking about one of my best friends was like, Oh, I'm thinking about taking this course. And she's, she's never like talked about taking any one of my courses. So I was like pretty excited about it. And, um, I was like, you know what, I'm struggling with this marketing copy for the course. Let me, let me just go call her and like, see why she wants to take the course, you know? And so I talked to her and I just got this kind of new perspective. And then I thought, oh, okay, like this is what I want to focus on for the marketing copy Mm. now. You know, so that idea of like, whatever it is, you know, doing something different, it might be moving your body. It might be stepping away from your computer and, you know, sitting quietly. It might be having a conversation with a friend. It can be any number of things, but just switching it up, I think is also really supportive of opening up to that receptivity as well.
0: Beautiful. I really love the idea. It sounds like the word that comes to mind is like refreshing, like you've refreshed Mm -hmm. totally by changing it up.
1: (laughs) Clear that cache.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Here's one thing I'm curious about. So let's go back to the kind of Reiki kind of openness, Mm -hmm. channeling kind of relaxed, uh, receptive state. And like, as I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm I'm practicing. It feels amazing. And like, You know, every human being wants to be in that state, to be Mm. honest. But there's something that that pulls us away from that, which is, in my experience, it's fear. Mm. So we get closed up. We like have to push. We have to control. We have to rush. uh, We have to be very focused. And that's all from, you know, my experience It's fear. And so I'm wondering how you work with that, whatever you might want to call it, whether it's fear or something else that that pulls you out of that state.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, a lot of, there's probably two fears that come up (laughs) most frequently. Um, And probably one of them is a very common one, which is about, you know, scheduling or deadlines. And um, the other one is just about, also the most common, you know, about making a mistake or failing or, you know, not getting it right. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about both of those things, you know, with this sort of getting it right Um, I spend a lot of time thinking about the difference between trying to be an expert and being experimental Mm. and kind of thinking about that as almost like a spectrum that you can play around with. And Mm. so for me, you know, I think more and more trying to like kind of understanding that being in that expert mode is so closed and kind of rigid Hmm. and in many ways kind of uncreative or incurious, right? If you're trying to kind of adopt that, you know, pose role modality. Um, Whereas if you can kind of slide yourself a little further down that scale towards experimental, you know, that really opens up opportunities, right? So rather than rigidity, there's opportunities for play.
0: Mm.
1: Or, you know, rather than failure, there's opportunity, you know, to make a creative mistake and be like, Oh, like that wasn't what I was expecting. But that's really cool. You know? Yeah. And so that's something I've been, I've been playing with a lot. You know, it shows up, for instance, like I did a course, a couple years ago, called radiate. And I was sort of Mm. playing around with this idea of it being a more emergent course so Mm. you know rather than mapping the whole thing out it was a nine-month-long course so it would have been a lot to map (laughs) rather than mapping the whole thing out and i kind of mapped out like i mapped out like some themes you know but it wasn't like there's going to be a talk on this and there's going to be a talk on this and there's you know it was it was like okay we'll cover these general topics and let's get together as a group and see kind of see what unfolds and what unfolded was so different than what I could have ever planned. And it was so surprising and also beautiful to experience that to be like, oh, wow, if I can release this fear about, you know, which was so many layers of that fear, right, with planning a course is like, okay, like, People are going to want to know what to expect. Like, I want to know what to expect. Like, people want to mm-hmm. know what's going to show up on schedule. I need to know what I need to deliver on a certain schedule. Like, if I don't have that, like, how is it going to happen? Like, what if I don't get the idea and the time that I need it? No, 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 no. You know, there's like a million. You know, you can right. kind of extrapolate yourself. But in kind of releasing that fear, I won't even say releasing that fear, but just kind of being like, it's there and I'm going to, like, work with it, you know? Yeah. I got to see that, like, something really really different and beautiful and unexpected could emerge so you know i think that um that experimental versus expertise is a spectrum that's really kind of fun to play around on and to see what that can kind of potentially open up and yeah you know it's like i think it's less about letting go of the fear than kind of leaning into self-trust which is a word that you touched on earlier which to me kind of now feels like the sort of phrase that's at the core of like everything that i do which is about really understanding that developing a a belief that you can handle whatever is going to arise Mm -hmm. and having a lot of compassion for yourself in that process around the fear or around the mistakes or around the imperfections, but, you know, kind of really leaning into that sense of self-trust. Like, I feel like that's the, that's where you're able to kind of work with the fear.
0: So, so amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. Mm. Um, I, I was going to, something came up for me as you were sharing this emergent nine month course Mm. and how you worked with that. So I just led a retreat, like a five day retreat in Costa Rica in person. With about twenty mm. people, the theme was the was about becoming in the in the bardo, uh, which mm. I'm not sure if everyone is listening. To this is, is familiar with, but it's uh, from the uh, Tibetan belief of the stage between like dying and being and rebirth. Well, that's the the biggest bardo, but um, bardo really is a transition period, and what you learn through that is that like we're always in transition like, you know, between night and day, between this task and that task and Mm -hmm. this call and that call. And so we're always in some kind of transition and we want to like freeze up. And the practice is trust, self-trust in the midst of that flow. The thing I wanted to share was that I went into that retreat wanting to like plan it all out and have it like a perfect plan so that I could like, you know, stay safe. And I realized the irony of that, of like wanting (laughs) to like freeze the bardo of that of that retreat, and have it all be perfect. And so when I realized it, I, you know, it was a shaky thing, but I decided just to go in with, I had some ideas, I had some things that I wanted to bring out, but it wasn't planned. And, um, and just practice that trust and see what emerged. And what emerged was so much better than what I could have planned. Mm. Um, Because it was, like you said, like, it was um, unexpected, surprising, like discovered. And it was co-created, not just yeah. by me, but by the yeah. group, by what was ha- what what emerged from that. So, um, anyway, I that's
1: beautiful. I love
0: what you shared, and um, I really relate. There's something else uh, going back to this idea of of receptive creativity and channeling. There was something that you also, you had in that email that I wanted to bring some curiosity towards. And I know this is in the course uh, that you're teaching, so we don't have to reveal all of the secrets <laughs> of the course, <laughs> but maybe just touch on some of the ideas that you've been playing with. Mm-hmm. One of the bullet points of things that you're exploring was how to be in conversation with your creative life force and consistently create space and structures for insight to flow in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm like, yes, we need to talk about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it okay <laughs>
0: if we dive into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, Totally. Totally. Yeah.
0: Feel free just to give us 50% uh, of what you give in the course. (laughs) Actually, I'm sure you go way more. That might take a minute, but
1: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I'm happy to talk about it. I think that um, when we get into this really extractive sort of forcing energy or mode of working, um, what happens is we sort of expect our you know, insight or inspiration or creativity to emerge sort of, you know, on demand, you know, Mm in the same way that we might watch a movie on Netflix, for instance. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's just, it's, it's just not the way that things, it's not the way that things work. And there's kind of no sort of flow or give and take to that type of approach. Again, it is like really extractive, you know, it's sort of like, Mm. I need this like thing, you know, from myself or you know, wherever you feel connected to, you know, from spirit, from the divine, from the muse, you know, and I'm just going to like, go take it, you know, go extract it. And I think it's much more about having a kind of give and take and exchange with whatever that kind of creative Mm. force is for you, life force. And so this idea of being in conversation is really about cultivating that practice Whatever that practice might be for you, so for me, I would say the core of that practice of being in conversation is journaling. Mm. Um, but it could be, you know, it could be like collage, or it could be sitting in meditation. It could be, you know, going on long runs. You know, whatever yeah. kind of is, you know, the one of your sort of favorite ways to open up that receptivity to open up that channel to make a practice of doing that right so that's the conversation it's like okay Mm -hmm. you know whatever it is x amount of times per week you know i try to sit down and do some journaling and for me journaling isn't you know it's not like writing a diary entry about my day. I mean, it could be, you know, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it is like, oh, wow, like this quote is really resonating or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just got like a little download about this phrase today. Like as I look Mm -hmm. around my studio that I'm working in, there's this phrase energetic architecture, which I've Mm -hmm. just like written on a, a note card from like a year ago. And it's just been like sitting there and I'm kind of thinking about like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Mm You know, so writing down those little phrases, writing down the, like, questions that are coming up, writing down the dreams that are haunting you, you know, whatever it is, right? All those things that are kind of coming through that channel, being in dialogue with them, and then kind of taking notes, right? Creating whatever that structure is, you know? So so for me, the journal is a little bit of dialogue, a little bit of the taking notes, you know? Yeah. Um, But, you know, let's say, like, if you like to go on long walks or something. You know, maybe the taking notes is, you know, having, um, taking voice memos on your phone yeah. or, you know, maybe you use an app, you know, some sort of note-taking app like um, Evernote or something like that to kind mm-hmm. of, write. So it's kind of like this idea of, there's astrologist Channy Nicholas who always uses this, this metaphor that I really like of putting out rain barrels. Mm. And so, you know, if that that conversation, that inspiration is the rain, you know, it's kind of having some sort of system or process in place for collecting it, right, for collecting all those little drips of inspiration. (laughs) And then I think having, you know, some sort of like kind of recursive process for revisiting them, right? So it's not just that, it's not just that you make space for them to come in. It's not just that you take notes, but there's also sort of like a synthesizing piece, that happens, you know, where you mm-hmm. revisit those things. So, like, tell I'm, me more
0: about that part because that's, I know everyone's going to be asking about that now. So, the yeah. recursive process sounds important.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's different ways, you know, there's different ways it shows up, right? So, I, because journaling is my practice, I also, you know, make sure that I set aside time to go back and review those journals, you know? And so I go back and, you know, I'll see that weird phrase or I'll see that weird question. And then I'll also see like the thing that came after it two weeks later and the thing that came after it two weeks later and like, Hmm, okay. Like I'm starting to see a thread here. And like, what does that mean? You know, Mm. or there could be more, you know, when I have a specific project that I'm working on that I've decided to work on, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be a course like, okay, I'm going to do this course. I use Evernote a lot in that Mm -hmm. context. You know, there's lots of apps that are like Evernote, but right, it's a digital, basically a digital solution where you can create notes within notebooks. So what I might do is I might make a notebook for the course and then make tons of different notes, you know, so there might be like a note Mm -hmm. about marketing, there might be a note about the talks I want to give, there might be, um, you know, a note about the journal prompts that I might use. And it's almost like, so that becomes this kind of little rain barrel, and then it's almost like you can kind of see the idea ripening, you know, as like, the little notes pile up. So yeah, I think it's, it's having all of those little pieces, like, what's the way that I regularly open the channel? Okay, what's the way that I then note what comes through the channel? What's the way that I then revisit that, those things, so they're not just kind of evanescent. And there's so many ways in which mm-hmm. I do this. Like I've been doing this thing lately where when I meditate in the morning and this came through, I think I mentioned this in the newsletter before the one that you're referring mm-hmm. to, um, came through my friend, Seben A. Selassie. Um, and I think it came to her through Elizabeth Gilbert is this practice of asking this question, you know, sort of to your, whatever you might regard as, you know, greater than you. So, you know, it could be like angels, teachers, guides, spirits, ancestors, And I ask at the end of my meditation, like, what would you have me know today? Mm. And these really beautiful messages come through. And I have this kind of running list, um, you know, just in a little note on my iPhone of what a lot of the messages are that come through. And the one that's come through the most, which I wrote about in that newsletter, is just um, remember who you are. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways that you can do that. And again, it's this idea of like, what's the idiosyncratic thing that like you like to do, the way that you like to relate to that channel, the way that you like to kind of take notes and the way that you like to synthesize things. But I think like that creates this kind of like creative, just sort of like a backbeat, you know, and kind of a flow of creative energy that's there all the time. And then that really supports then when you're like, okay, like, I want to really tune into this. It's like the faucets already open. Hmm. It's you know, it's not like you close your faucets for the winter and like bled the pipes. And now you got to like, <laughs> you know, like, it's this whole thing. It's like, the flow is there. And then you can kind of turn on the faucet.
0: Beautiful. You know, it's this, it makes me realize I don't have a way of revisiting just general notes that I haven't put into like notes for a course or a book or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so as you talk about it, I'm like, I wonder how I could create that for myself. And I'm wondering, do you have a a rhythm? I I know it's going to be different for each person, but just, I'm curious for you of going back on just journal entries that aren't specific to a course or something like that. Do you have like, you know, every month or something like that, you go back and look through it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And when I think I want to answer that, but also, um, you know, you brought up, I think there's kind of an interesting tension between like analog and digital in these Mm -hmm. contexts where like Mm -hmm. analog is good for some things and bad for other things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's I think analog and like journaling, for instance, is really good, you know, for me, for kind of documenting these sort of general you know, kind of general ideas or insights or thoughts, but it can be sort of not ideal when I'm working, you know, on a specific project. And then it's like the linearity of it can be a little bit problematic. You know, you're kind of Mm. like, where did I put that? Like, was that like 12 pages ago? Like sometimes it can be kind of hard to string things together. So that's why I have a little bit of that. I didn't really describe it clearly, but like. You know when I'm when I decide okay I'm gonna pull the trigger on this project then I'll sometimes take it into a digital orientation because it'll be Mm. a little bit easier to organize things more clearly in a way that I can kind of reference and wrap my head around but the analog is super nice for that like recursive process right like when you want to go back and revisit it to answer your question about do I have a specific rhythm Unfortunately, like absolutely do not. Um, <laughs> I work with this uh, really wonderful business coach who also kind of does coaching from an energetic level as well. And she talks about these kind of different types of creators, and they're sort of like the organic creator and the linear creator and the systemic creator. Mm-hmm. And you know, so. Linear is, you know, self-explanatory, right? right? Like someone who sort of likes to go step-by-step. Step. Systems is someone who's very oriented around the idea of having some sort of system. And organic is kind of like, just like, do what you want, like whatever, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just organic, like whatever happens kind of happens. And that is my mode of working. So sure. I am like, and it's kind of funny coming from that, you know, sort of like, you could say like hard productivity background, you know, <laughs> like a decade ago. I am like, incredibly um, resistant to like rigid routines and <laughs> scheduling of like any manner. But what kind of happens for me is it's like, it's like, for instance, basically, like if I have a to do list, I'll write it down on a piece of paper. And in the act of writing it down on the piece of paper, it will sort of go into my brain and we'll just get remembered. And like, eventually all oh, wow. the things will get done, you know, yeah. but it doesn't like happen in kind of a structured way on like a specific on a specific schedule. So I have one of those processes where like, if you watched it from the outside, you would be like, this is crazy. This doesn't make any sense. But then it kind of all like flies together and works, you know?
0: I love it. I, I can relate. I have, I, I think I'm a mix, but I uh, definitely have mm-hmm. some of that organic um, <laughs> part to me as well. That's, that's really beautiful. Thanks for sharing that too, because I think that gives people permission to, to have a process that looks, you know, like it looks. As opposed to like, it needs to look like Jocelyn's, or it needs to be linear, or mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I think this is about time to start wrapping up. Um, one thing I wanted to say is we've mentioned your newsletter a couple of times now. I think it's brilliant, and I highly, I highly, I'll, I'll put a link into uh, to your website into the newsletter, but. Highly recommend it. It's always got some beautiful artwork. It has some of the best links. And so even if you don't care about Jocelyn's writing, which you should, <laughs> <laughs> the artwork and the links are some of the best stuff in there. And the, of course, the, the writing in the, from Jocelyn is also always thoughtful and um, opens something new in me personally, and I recommend it.
1: Mm, thank you so much.
0: Also, while we're in this conversation, I'd like to tell you about my Fearless Living Academy, which is a monthly membership program that I've created. We've been running it for a few years now, and it has all of my best courses on changing your habits, on finding your purpose, and on creating an impact on the world that feels meaningful to you. We have a community section. We have a monthly uncertainty challenge, which is really powerful a way to dive deeper into this stuff. And if there's something that you want to create in the world, this is the place to go. So check it out. It's at zenhabits.net slash fearless, and you'll be taken to a page to learn more about it. Fearless Living Academy, please check it out today. Is there any last thing that you want to share anything that you're excited about creating next anything that, you know, you want to be like, put this on your radar, because it's going to be amazing, or just a last thought to share?
1: Mm, Yeah, well, you know, I do have the new course that I mentioned a few times, but that's going to Mm -hmm. be kind of underway. And I think registration will be um, closed by the time that this uh, comes out. But there's Just something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the way that it's it, the way that it happens. But yeah. that course and all of my other courses, I'm actually sort of in a process of shifting them over to a model mm. where it's a bit more evergreen, where folks can take them um, at any time. So if they do subscribe to the newsletter, you know, they'll kind of hear about that when um, when that becomes available. Great. Um, but yeah, I have you know, there's one new thing that I'm working on that is exciting to me, which is doing a new event series. I think I'll probably launch it later this summer, which is gonna be probably once a month on a Sunday. Mm. And um, it's gonna be called Higher Love, shout out Mm. to Whitney Houston. Um, (laughs) And it's, it's really about, you know, we talked about this idea of like that conversation and opening that channel. And it's really going to be about that, like this kind of idea of opening a conversation with your higher self. Mm. And um, the structure is going to be that I will give a talk and then that will be followed by kind of a deeper guided energy meditation. And so the Mm. idea is that we get to explore you know, a concept initially on the intellectual level, you know, which is where most of us spend most, if not all of our day. (laughs) But then we get to follow that with kind of exploring it on a deeper, you know, somatic, emotional, energetic level and kind of be in dialogue with it and um, work with it a bit more in that way, kind of with that open channel to, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, your higher self or spirit or inspiration or the muse. Mm. And so I'm really excited about kind of combining those two forms. You know, I, I do both of those things quite a bit. I do a lot of talks and then I do a lot of these kind of um, guided energy meditations, but I don't often do them simultaneously together. And I think that's going to be, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really powerful. I'm curious to see. See how it goes. So, again, that's yeah. something um, you know. If folks hop on the newsletter; they'll they'll eventually hear about when when I get that going later in the summer.
0: Beautiful. That that does sound really powerful. I love that you're exploring that. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Uh, everything <laughs> that you put out seems to be like thoughtful and considerate and and human. And I just mm. want to thank you for bringing humanity to a lot of the stuff where we've you know, as a society, have removed it. It's so important, and uh, I'm really grateful for your work.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is a really fun conversation, have.
0: Okay, go check out Jocelyn's work. It's amazing. Thank you, everybody. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you found this episode useful, please share this podcast with someone you know who cares deeply. That would be really meaningful to me. And if you'd like to dive deeper with me into this work, please check out the blog at zenhabits.net or get in touch at leo at zenhabits.net. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll join me every Wednesday for more episodes of the Zen Habits podcast.